like I said, lesson four, fighting sin by faith, and specifically today, we're going to be fighting pride. Uh, but just in general, as a general question, what are some common sin struggles that you can think of in our culture? Not just pride, but just anything. What are some common sin struggles in our culture that are celebrated even? Anger. Anger, okay. Anger is very common. What else? Lust. Lust. Mm-hmm. All kinds of lusts, right? Revenge. Greed. Greed. Jealousy. Mm-hmm. What else? What are some other common sins? Slander. Slander. Gossip, I heard somebody say. What about complaining? Discontentment would go with that. Discontentment. Mm -hmm. Victim. You're a victim. Okay. Almost like a celebration of wrongs or perceived wrongs done to me. So there's a, a the victimhood celebration. It's an interesting one. What's the question? Just what are some just common <laughs> sins? I was an <laughs> common <laughs> sin struggles that that we see in our culture today. Okay. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. That's a good one. Taking the Lord's name in vain. I would say that's blasphemy, but heresy, like speaking, like teaching falsehoods about God as if they were true. Yeah, false teaching. Yeah, heresy is false teaching. What about, let's think of, now move to the church. Christian church generally, evangelical church specifically. What are, what are some maybe common sins prevalent in our in churches? Busyness. Busyness. Okay. Too busy to do my devotions. Okay. Not me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> other people. Just other people struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Selfishness, like you deserve this. Selfishness. Judgment. Judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fear of man. Fear of man. Divisions. Covet. Laziness. <laughs> Covetous. Lazy. Self righteousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Friendship with the world. Yeah. Worldliness. Worldliness. <coughs> Gossip. Under the guise of praying for women. Mm-hmm. Gossip. What is the underlying root of both of those lists of sins? And we could, I know we could go on and on with the lists, but 
what are some, what is the underlying root? Yeah, there's, I think there's two answers here that I, that I came across when I was reading. So one of them is pride is, is one. And then the other one is what we see in Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so I think it's almost like, which comes first, like the unbelief or the pride? I, I would argue unbelief, but I think there's, I come across some things that some people would say pride. When I think of like Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, what Satan says, did God really say, can you, do you believe what he said? And so she, she questions first if God and what he said and what he, what he wants for them is true, is good, is right. And so there, the natural second step after that, I think, in unbelief, if I don't believe God, if I don't trust God, it's not like there's a category where I can just trust nothing. It's then I trust in self or I'm trusting in some other created thing so pride is what I would say and, and in this book if, if you have this book um, John Piper talks about pride being um, along with other many other theologians it's kind of the root of a lot of sins um, because it's that's kind of the foundational thing that you do when you don't trust the Lord when you don't obey the Lord when you don't love the Lord you, you, you trust, obey, and love something else. And that something else is, is always connected to, to myself. Okay? If, if I'm not trusting in myself because I think I'm awesome, I'm trusting in something else because I, of what it can give to me. So pride is <clears throat> under a lot of other sins, but it's, we're proud because we don't believe, because of unbelief. So... How do we fight pride? And, and the answer at a heart level is we believe, we trust God. Okay, so that's what we're going to be working through today. The objective there says we'll see from God's word how faith is the key to our fighting against specific sins, namely pride. Uh, and then going forward, so looking at the next week. It's, we're going to kind of be able to apply some of these same strategies, the same kind of step-by-step -step process when we're fighting things like covetousness and selfishness and discontentment um, and all of their and lust, all of their, you know, uh, the ways that that works out in, in specifics. When we talk about um, coveting, that, that includes jealousy and envy. That includes stealing embezzlement like there's a lot of sins that, that will flow out of those that we'll talk about how does faith in God specifically trust in God help me to fight and resist those sins and so today um, pride is what we're talking about when we do not trust pride I'm sorry we don't trust pride. when we do not trust <laughs> God we begin to trust in something else there's no middle ground unbelief in relation to God and his word by necessity leads to pride Pride, in turn, will feed more unbelief and doubt about God and delusions about ourselves and, and our world, as we'll see today. 
Uh, we're going to briefly consider today how we can fight pride with the power of faith and the promises of God. But first, a few definitions of pride from Stuart Scott and Lou Priolo. Um, as I said before, we've, we've done lessons on this, on pride specifically, pride and humility, um, and it was a big chunk in our uh, conflict resolution series that we did with Lou Priolo. But first, so I'm, I'm pulling those definitions from those studies, so this should be somewhat familiar to many of you who have been here for a while. But Stuart Scott defines pride as the mindset of self, and, and that's a, a master's mindset rather than a servant mindset, a focus on self and the service of self, a pursuit of self-recognition and self-exaltation, and a desire to control and use all things for self. So what are some key words that stand out to you there in that definition? Self. self. Like that's, that's the big... Pride is about myself and how things relate to me and how things affect me and how I want to use things for me how I think the point of all things is me so self is um, a problem <laughs> what are some examples of how this affects Christians in our church how can pride this focus on self affect us as a body two great commandments are to love God and love others mm -hmm. wait wait Self is not in there? No. Oh, <laughs> it's not third? <laughs> no. Right. I mean, so that in every area. Mm -hmm. In everything that we're supposed to obey God in, yeah. I mean, the, the whole law is based on that Jesus says. Love for God, love for others, love for your neighbor. That fulfills the law. In the love passage, we're supposed to not insist on our own way, mm -hmm. and we're supposed to believe all things, which is believing the best of others. And if we're focused on self, then everything they do is against me, and and instill anger and bitterness mm -hmm. towards that person. Yeah, nobody loves me like I love me, right? <laughs> so you're always going to disappoint me because you don't love me like you should. If if that's my focus. I'm always going to be disappointed. I'm always going to be offended. I'm always going to be looking for more. So that, that's a huge problem, a huge distraction. Any other comments? I think even from a positive starting point, like how do you handle when you don't get to do something you want to do or help in a way that you want to help? Mm -hmm. You may have been coming at it with good motives, but if you're told no and you respond negatively to that, now you're being selfish because mm -hmm. obviously if God wanted you to do that, it would have happened. Mm -hmm. I think they, we're really good at justifying our pride. Yeah. Lose <laughs> your motives. You know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. listening to what you're saying, Jen. Like, our motives. We can yeah. Well, I could, yeah, when we think that I could do a better job than so-and-so, why haven't I been asked to do that? Mm -hmm. Or you might start with a willing servant heart, but because it, it's not going the way you think it should, mm -hmm. now you're a prideful, selfish heart very quickly turned. Yeah. You'll be more sensitive and mm -hmm. make a mess with that. <laughs> yeah. So it'll get in the way of our serving. We're not it's getting the recognition. I mean, it can just grow really fast. Mm -hmm. well, and you can tell when you're prideful when you're easily offended. Because if you're offended easily, you're putting, you know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Let me get that. Yeah. 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 yeah, so. You shouldn't be offended. When, when I don't get right. the recognition or the, or the control, I think mean, right. Jen's touching on, like, we should do this my way. When those things don't happen and we're offended right. because why wouldn't you do it my way? 
Hello, or it's me. Right. I have the right answers here. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's such an assumption that my way is the right way, and when it's not accepted by everybody else, it is like, well, what's wrong with you people? But that, that's, that is our pride, insisting on our own way. Other, other comments? What leads to a fall of war in Revelation 5 about biting and devouring? We're not loving one another, mm -hmm. we're biting and devouring each other mm -hmm. in our selfishness. Yeah, that's a great point. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions, I think, and I've, I've talked about this in different contexts, I guess, but um, there's a lot of assumptions that there is like this third category of like this middle neutral ground, and it just doesn't exist. Like if we're not loving people, if I'm not getting into really loving them for their uh, benefit, to love them, it's like I'm assuming that I can just stand back and I just, well maybe I'm not loving like I should, but I mean I'm not hurting anybody. So I'm just kind of in this neutral gray area. I'm kind of loving people. There, there's, that's not a category, biblically speaking. Like you, you're either going to be promoting the good and loving people, or you're promoting yourself and loving yourself. And that will lead, like, like uh, Galatians says, to biting, devouring. Um, all of those divisions in the church. Very good point. So. Self-pity. Mm-hmm. Self-pity. didn't go my way. Oh, whoa. Mm -hmm. Or, or thinking, uh, maybe this is a little bit harder one because that—that's everybody would clearly, yeah, that's a good point. Easy, to, yeah, do those silly people? They're just not—they're mad they didn't get their way. What if like you're suffering? If you, you've got a diagnosis, or a loved one dies, or something awful happens, and and our pride can often get in the in the way of how God could be using those trials to make us like Christ and to help us to shine a light so that others will see the good works and glorify our Father in heaven. There, there's a lot of good done in trials. And if I'm proud, my response can easily be, God, how could you do this to me? I have done X for years. I have given my time and effort and money to your church. I have been faithfully attending church. I have done these things. Why why has this happened to me? And and that is very difficult, but that is our pride. Trial might last a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An enduring, nagging pain or trial. So on the next page, page two, um, we have Luke Priello, in, in his book, Resolving Conflict, had a, a multifaceted definition of pride. And so I thought this was really helpful um, as well. So we'll, we'll go through these briefly. Uh, his first aspect or, or part of the definition is pride is the delusion that our achievements are primarily the results of our own doing. Okay, I'll read that one again. Pride is the delusion that our achievements are primarily the results of our own doing. So when something goes well, our 
natural vent is to think, wow, I did a good job at that. <laughs> I am really good at that. And that is our pride. When James, something, if something goes well, it's I did it. If something mm -hmm. goes bad, it's the other person. Yes. Wrong. Wrong. Well, you know, that would have gone well, except for <laughs> those people over there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is very countercultural. If you try to tell them, they'll be like, oh, you're encouraging depression, you know, um, because you're, you're saying that the person didn't accomplish anything, so that must lead to depression, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so, but I don't know. I've tried to explain this to a couple of people before, and... I'm still trying to figure out how to explain it to them, even going to scripture with the word every, mm -hmm. you know, that means mm -hmm. every. Um, it's a very complete word, but um, they, they just don't want to admit it because then they're like, well, you know, you have to accomplish something or you'll be depressed. And why do those two things have to be connected all the time? Why can't you submit? That's you know, a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very hard. It's hard for me too. So I mm -hmm. understand. But yeah, I, I think there's uh, other examples that I'm. I've just seen a lot. We just have the the NFL draft. For those of you who care, uh, <laughs> or those of you who don't care, like you have these people who who they do like the stories and like I've worked so hard. I've done this and 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 they've gotten to this day where now they're drafted into the NFL. They're they're like first round pick. You know, they were so good. And so awesome that they were picked first. And you, you have the temptation. And often, you know, we think about the playoffs. There's all kinds of sports going on right now. But um, the, the athletes, coaches, fans, <laughs> like less to, to brag about. But like, they're like, we're the best. And, and why is that? Because we're awesome. And we have the best players. And I have this talent. And I'm, I've worked really hard. That's really, usually the primary thing. I've worked so hard for so long, and I have done, that is the assumption that this success is because of me, okay? This achievement is because of me. Well, okay, let's, let's chat for a second. Who gave you the abilities that you have? God did. Who has given you the mind that he's given you? Who has given you the personality and the, and the personal um, traits that make you good at what you're good at? Not you. I mean, you were born, right? And then the Lord gave you abilities. Go ahead. Sorry, just even from a secular point of view, if you're not even going to acknowledge that, what about the guy who worked harder than you mm -hmm. and had more talent than you? Mm -hmm. And he didn't. You know what I mean? Then you're just left with circumstances. Mm -hmm. Look. Yeah. Yeah. A good example would be injuries. Whenever the, these players are up there, they're talking, they're bragging about how good they are and everything, and everybody is saying, oh, that team's going to win or whatever, and then their yeah. best player gets injured. You mm -hmm. see it more in basketball mm -hmm. than football, but best player gets injured and then they're out. Yeah. Their team loses. Yeah. And it's no longer I was the greatest. It's somebody else's fault because yeah. I got injured. Yeah, so... All, all good things that happen are because of me. That, that's the delusion of pride. Um, pride in our lives in, in Christianity and Christian circles will just kind of briefly, like in church, I can be proud of how 
um, our church gives for how we support um, a, a missionary, how we are not doing certain um, sins and indulging in certain sins. Or not, we're, we're not promoting false doctrines. We are, we love the Bible here. Opposed to you other churches. Churches, if I can call it. Like, we can get really proud that we do these things. We have strong doctrines. Our pastor is the best. Okay. Back. <laughs> like, so they're... Back. <laughs> We'll get there in a minute. But <laughs> there, there is, we, we should be thankful for those things if they're true, right? We should be thankful for those things. We are thankful for our pastor, for sure. Um, we are thankful that God, in his kindness and generosity, gives us these wonderful gifts. And it should actually be a, a source of humility, that God would be so gracious to give us these things. Not a source of, well, <laughs> we at Foothills Bible Church, we've got things figured out. And you all, you peasants need to <laughs> come over here and learn from us. Like That is very easy for us to start to, when we, when we see that the Lord has blessed us in some particular way, it's very, we're very quick. The temptation is to be quick to take credit for that. That's because of us. We have figured it out. We are really smart. And I think um, uh, a signal that self-righteousness is creeping in is when there's a lack of compassion mm. for the hurting mm-hmm. or, you know, sinners in general or, like, <coughs> churches that are in the midst of growing and they don't have all these things figured out because mm-hmm. we got them figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can forget easily that even in our own church history, we've gone through a lot of, hurt and pain and there have been godly men who have been faithful to the word mm-hmm. humbly so a lack of compassion is something you have to really mm-hmm. guard against yeah <clears throat> well, I think this could also boil down to an individual level within churches mm-hmm. um, it's it's up to each believer to guard against the sin of pride and, and thinking of themselves too highly um, I don't you think about the the adage of the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. I think mm-hmm. that that applies to a lot of things, particularly churches, because if you've got somebody in leadership who is dealing with some arrogance or some pride, or you've got the the lay ministers or the lay servants who are dealing with these things, that starts to fester and and show in the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, Pride comes before the fall. Mm-hmm. All, all of those sorts of things. So it's not just we happen to live in a general region where we can attend Flint Hills Bible Church and that's just so great and, mm-hmm. and we just have the best church ever, which is probably true. But individually, as a, as a body, we need to be guarding against this, not mm-hmm. just keeping our eyes on all of the other churches mm-hmm. yeah. and all of the other people who attend other churches. And there is, there is a, a temptation also, and this is a proud um, temptation to assume that because God has been gracious and kind to us and he's given us such wonderful <coughs> gifts, that that's always going to be how it is. And so I just got to, I, I don't have to worry about it. I mean, we go to Flint Hills Bible Church. We're always going to be doing these things and, and we're always going to have this. And so we can get complacent and 
because I'm thinking, well, I'm, somebody's going to do that. The leader. John will do that. You know, he'll, he'll pick up the, the slack. Or he will do the... No, it's up to individuals to be prayerfully considering how we can serve the body. I like what you said. Kind of a solution to pride is thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you are in a rough moment, gosh, we -hmm. see it time and time again in the Bible where they're praising God while they're in prison, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, They're being thankful through everything. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of negates the pride because you're saying someone else gave this to me, that someone else being God. Um, and that Thanksgiving will get rid of the pride and also help you through that suffering mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Um, or if you're not suffering at the moment, it just negates the pride and now you're thanking God for it. And yeah. You're still happy. All right, moving on for the sake of time. Definition two, um, he says, Pride is esteeming ourselves above and beyond the condition and proportion that God has appointed for us. And this is where we'll get into, uh, Charles, what we said a lot of times, and, and this is true in, in my own thinking, when, when we started the series on pride and humility, I, the, the answer, I thought, was don't think about yourself. Like, I'm, I'm worthless and dumb and stupid, and I, need, I'm, I just need to think of others more. But there's, there is this, this sense in which we need to, uh, uh, as Romans 12.3 says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think that there's no period there that's not it he says but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned so we can err and I'm kind of answering the question that I have later on but we can err on the side of thinking of ourselves too highly and we can also be just self-hating and self-loathing and and discounting what God has given you as a gift to be used to serve the body like, there is a, a sense in which we need to be thankful for the things that God has given us and the abilities God has given us. And we don't esteem those gifts as too highly or as more effective or like, I'm just the best of this thing. But God has legitimately, truly given you a gift or gifts. And you don't discount that. That's not honoring the Lord to discount that and throw that away but to think with sober judgment. So we, we are tempted to esteem ourselves above what God has appointed. I think of myself as a more effective teacher than I actually am, or a more effective speaker, or a more effective father, or husband, or, or all of those things. I can esteem myself too highly, and that is pride. But we can also esteem ourselves or discount the things that God has gifted us in. Any comments on, on those lines? Those are both still very inward-focused points mm-hmm. of view. Mm-hmm. I think we can often dismiss the other as humility, mm-hmm. but it's an inward focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a kid, we were taught to uh, take pride in our work. Um, or I like to make things. I like to make things. I like to bring them in and show my wife. And she too is all over. And I like, mm-hmm. I like that. Re- I'm not going to call it you affirming, but you get to a certain point where your ego takes over, mm-hmm. and then you, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to take pride in my work. Mm-hmm. But 
like you say, well, I'm doing this better than anybody else can do it. You know, all I gotta do is get on Facebook and look at look at some of the stuff that other guys turn out, and I think, you know, I'm a beginner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, it, but when your ego takes over, uh, that ruins, and I'm not saying pride is good, I'm not saying it's mm -hmm. bad. I, there's a certain amount of pride. <coughs> Yeah, taking pride, humbly taking pride in your work. Right. But then when you, my ego kicks in, that's bad. Mm -hmm. I go, I start going down. You know. Yeah, and and because of the nature of our, we're trying to, and I'm, maybe I shouldn't be trying to get through this in one lesson, but, but <laughs> like there, there's there, we had a whole discussion last time about how, um, it, some people use the word pride in different ways, and so if, if I say I'm proud of my daughter, or I'm proud of. Our church, there's a sense that could be sinful, but there's a sense in that's not sinful. I, I'm maybe could more accurately say I take joy mm -hmm. in my daughter and what God has given her and what He has blessed our family with because of my daughter did this this my thing. So much than else <laughs> <laughs> or like <laughs> praise the Lord that He's He's given me this ability and I made this thing and maybe it's it's not the best thing, but if our if we're taking joy in the fact that God gave us this gift. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's right. And sometimes we say, I'm proud of this thing. And we may not be, so it, that's another thing where as believers, we don't want to jump on everybody when they say the word pride or they say the wrong word in something. Um, maybe they didn't mean it in that way. So that's what Emily mentioned, just assuming the best about others. Um, now if we see a, a pattern where they're always talking about how good this thing is and how great it is and they're not to the exclusion of, of like maybe my daughter's doing other things that are not so good. And I'm not over talking about those, I'm just always thinking about how uh, my, my daughter's perfect or my children or my, my job or whatever is perfect. I'm perfect. There, there is, then we ask questions and we figure out, but there is a sense in which it's not, it's not I wouldn't say it's sinful that you uh, take pride, that's kind of a common phrase, take pride in your work. Okay, what we could more accurately biblically describe that as you're diligent to bless others and bless God by working hard, by working as unto the Lord. That's a command of scripture. And if there, if you do that, there's joy in that. And sometimes we might say, I'm, I'm, I'm taking pride in my work where I am, I'm wanting to obey the Lord, work heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. And I'm blessing people by the job that I do. So that one would be something just to be careful about and not jumping on people when they say, I'm proud of my ex or something. Well, I think it's, it's just the difference between appreciating what this thing mm -hmm. means and mm -hmm. what it means to you and how you are associated with it versus um, placing the laurels of that thing on you mm -hmm. and, and building yourself up because you are associated with mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. person, place, thing, idea, whatever. Yeah. And yes, to say that, that I, my daughter does something that I think is, is really good. And I said, man, that was really good. Praise the Lord. Like, I am such a good dad. <laughs> now, is there a role that I played in, in doing that? Pro yes. So that, again, it's, it's a right esteeming, sober estimation of what my impact and what my role is going forward as well. My responsibility is to train my daughters to teach them, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If they become believers, that is not because of me. And so I came from, well, I'm like, my kids are believers. What's wrong with you parents? That's not how that works. The Lord does that. The Lord gives good gifts. Every good gift 
is from above. And we walk in obedience, praying that the Lord will save them. Knowing that what I do affects them. Well, if you take credit or pride in that, then you also have to go the other way and take the responsibility when things go badly, mm -hmm. if, if that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to take all, all the, the stuff that goes with the, the screw-ups, mm -hmm. then you sure can't take it either. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that, our pride, in any area of life, that's what we do. Yeah. Like somebody else made a comment, that might have been Emily. Um, we take credit when something good happens, and we blame shift when something bad happens. Right. So you can't. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't, anyway. Yeah. I think on a more personal level, the sober judgment, I think recognizing there's a difference between comparing yourselves to others in a prideful way and measuring yourselves to others versus measuring both of you to God and recognizing that that person's more mature than you or possibly less mature than you and having a sober judgment about it's okay to desire to act like this person, mm -hmm. recognizing that they're more mature in Christ versus, well, I don't measure up to where this person is, and now I'm going to mm -hmm. get all inward focused about that. And that, that's the key of what we're doing here, right? We're, we're talking about discipleship and soul care. When we see people who are not, who are struggling with sin, our, our response ought to be to love them because we care about them and to help them up. So that, that would be that, that person who's maybe not as advanced. Mm -hmm. If we recognize a, a pattern of failure and sin in my own heart, I ought to be looking primarily to Scripture, but I also see, oh, so-and-so over there, they're doing this. They seem to really do that well. It is right for me to go and talk mm -hmm. to them and say, hey, can you help me with this? I'm, I see that there's a command in Scripture. I'm just struggling to figure out how that applies here. And so... There, there's humility in both of those because um, even if, if it's the other way, I see somebody struggling with it, but for the grace of God, I would be there. Mm -hmm. okay? So there's, there's humility in, that needs to drive us to both, in both directions, to mm -hmm. disciple and love and bless and help and to humble ourselves to give help, to recognize our own sin and to fight it by getting the help that we need. That's a good point. I don't think there's any way how we're going to finish this. Okay. <laughs> Definition three. Let's try it. <laughs> Pride is the desire to be esteemed by others above and beyond the condition or proportion that God has appointed to us. <coughs> and in, in the book, Resolving Conflict, he, uh, Luke Priolo makes the point, like, this is worse than number two. Like Number two is like I am esteeming myself above what God has given me, what God has set for me. Three is like... I'm doing that, and I want you to do it too. So it's, there's, a, there's an, also a, an aspect of I want to delude you in my delusion. Okay? Um, and here's an example from Ananias and Sapphira. A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it. Sorry. And brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. So... We have Ananias and Sapphira longing. I mean, they obviously thought that they were 
they deserve to have some attention and to be praised by the, the believers that was in their own hearts. Like we wanted, but they also wanted other people to think that they were more generous than what they actually were. So they were trying to act like they were donating all the proceeds, mm-hmm. but then hiding some of the proceeds. Yes. So I sold my property. And that's Peter's point. The property was yours. Nobody's requiring you to sell it. You chose to sell it. After you sold it, the proceeds were yours. Nobody's saying that you have to give all of it. But what you have done is you have you decided to sell the property. You got the money. You kept back the money, gave this month, and said, hey, we sold this property. I want to give it all to the church. And expected people, wanted people to say, wow, what an amazing, generous person. Because he had seen that earlier in Acts, Barnabas did the same thing. Sold land, gave all of the proceeds. And they called him Barnabas because it's a son of encouragement. The, the church was so blessed by that. So Ananias and Sapphira want some of that. But they also want to keep some money for you know, themselves. That, that is a, a little bit worse form of pride when I want you to think, to join me in my delusion that I'm better than what I actually am, that I'm responsible for more success than I am. And that is a, a major problem. So do we have to be careful about how much praise we give people when they do something like that? Like, could we be participating in that? Or? Yeah, that? Yeah, I think it is good to be an encourager. Like, like I said, uh, Barnabas did that, that very thing. And it was a great blessing to the church. And people praised God for that. And they changed Barnabas' name. So Barnabas did get, he was recognized. Now, he didn't do it for the recognition. And that's where we kind of got to be careful. Why are you seeking to encourage someone? Because, I mean, we can, we can go to certain people to encourage them because they have something, they can offer us something. If it's the right person in leadership, or they have a lot of influence, or they're, I like that person, so I'm going to encourage that person. And but I don't. That's not the pattern of my life. I don't actually go out encouraging people, seeking to bless them. I just encourage certain people. So that could be a problem if I'm just encouraging people who I think can benefit me in some way. Um, but it, I think that the danger is for those the encouraged to to start thinking. Oh. I felt good. I'm going to do more to get that kind of encouragement. I'm going to seek that out. And, and just, you have to, we, we all have to uh, monitor our intentions and the motivations in our heart. Why are we doing what we're doing? Whether we're on the encouraging side or the receiving of the encouragement. So it's, the scripture also says that they praised God, not mm-hmm. Barnabas. And so I think it's just an opportunity for you to, instead of saying, the praising the person, but to remember redirecting that. Praise God that you were mm-hmm. able, that you were given this ability, that you were given mm-hmm. these funds, and just another way to turn it toward God. Right. Well, and what's interesting about the Ananias and Sapphira story is they were seeking the clout of men. They wanted, they wanted to be um, seen in men's eyes as great and good and, and generous and whatever. But they have totally removed. God from the equation. 
because the the sin issue is they lie to the Holy Spirit. Satan tempted them to lie to the Holy Spirit. They have sinned against God, and they were not considering the the getting caught in the lie of men as being as big of a deal as getting caught in the lie of, of under the under the scope of God. The Holy Spirit knows what the motivation is. The Holy Spirit knows how much money there was. The Holy Spirit knows what their goal is, their end goal. And they've removed God from the equation. They weren't serving God at that point. They were serving themselves. They were serving what they wanted. And that's that's where the pride comes in, is we need to see ourselves under the scope of who God is. And I think Jennifer brought that up earlier. Who Who is God compared to who I think I am? Mm-hmm. And that's the sin in Ananias and Sapphira's situation. They mm-hmm. have removed God from the equation completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's... It's a great point because that that is the key to all of this is uh, a unbelief in what God, who God is, what he says. They did not consider. They did not think about God knows all things. Okay. And really all of these definitions, all the scenarios we've talked about, there is an absence of considering and believing and trusting that God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. So when we, we know God is omniscient. We don't trust that in our pride. So that's where the unbelief comes. We, don't, we believe or we know in a sense that God will provide for our needs, but I don't believe that and trust that, so I'm, I'm embezzling or stealing or hoarding. or That's unbelief. So, and in our pride... I did this. We know in a sense, well, yeah, God gave me that. I mean, I, I know that I didn't make myself happen, and I don't even keep my heart beating on purpose. Like, I'm not even making sure that the electrical signals are going from my brain to my feet and stuff. Like, I can't even, I can't control any of that. And yet, so, so in, in that, there's a knowledge that God's doing that. But there's not a trust in that. The trust is in me, my hard work, my intellect, my abilities. So in all of these things, yeah, Ananias was not considering that the Holy Spirit knows these things. And he expects you to be truthful. And he, and the Lord expects us to obey. He's not thinking, he doesn't believe that, doesn't trust that. So there's the unbelief. Let's look at definition four. Pride is the desire to exalt ourselves above and beyond the condition and proportion that God has appointed to us. We have the example of Herod in Acts 12. Um, the, the crowd saying, the voice of a God and not of, not of a man. And he just like, yeah, that's awesome. Like he's ex- promoting, promoting himself. Um, and then God strikes him dead. Right? And then in 1 Corinthians 12, we have, what if the eye... Where the hand is upset, the foot's upset because he's not an eye. God has given, has set the people in, in the body where he wants them to. So for me to, how come I'm not preaching on Sunday morning? That's not what God has given me. Like, that's not where he's put me. That's not my place. So there's, there's a sense in which we, we rightly should esteem ourselves soberly, not seek to exalt ourselves into positions that God has not given us. Now, bonus definition. We'll try to wrap this one up. We'll stop here.
Pride is, here's a bonus one. This one's not in, in Lou Priolo's book, but it's something that, that somebody's touched on already. Um, pride is a fixation sometimes on my weaknesses and my shortcomings and my negative experiences and my refusal to believe that I can be used by God for His glory or that God can work in my heart. We can, we can continue to kind of describe that. Um, somebody mentioned early, one of the first questions, there's this victim, um, this celebration of victimhood. Okay, that's pride. It's kind of an odd thing. We don't often think of that as pride, but it is a fixation on me and what I've experienced and how that, in, in our current culture, right now, kind of gives me some leverage. Unfortunately, that's the, kind of a, a sickness in our culture right now. But there, even in individual um, relationships, that we, you might run into someone who just says, you know what, I'm just so sinful. The Lord can't forgive me. I mean, I can't be used by God to do anything. I might as well just not even try. I'm not going to get involved in that ministry. I'm not going to go to that Bible study because it'd be a waste of time. You would be, you'd, I would just be such a distraction. I would be so. That is pride. That is a fixation on myself. Okay, so when we have uh, Judas after he betrays Christ. What does he do? Repent? Turn back to Christ? No, he kills himself. That is, that is a, a statement that I, can, I cannot be, no coming back from this. God's grace is not sufficient for me. I am too bad. Let me read 1 Timothy 1.12. Here's where we go, where we should go. First Timothy, oh, second Timothy. First Timothy, one, verse twelve. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed with me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. When we have a, a person, or in ourselves, this assumption that God could not use me, that God will not do uh, this in my life, he will not help me have victory over this sin, he will not, he cannot, that is pride, and you're being like Judas, which is not one we want to emulate. Rock, I think um, uh, this one too, I think when we try to fix pride ourselves, you can also fall into this. Mm -hmm. So rather than rather than being the boisterous one or whatever, mm -hmm. you downplay yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's a it's once again self doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a it's not a heartfelt position. That is a great point. 
when we do try to, if we do know that, hey, man, I've got a pretty big pride. I think I'm pretty awesome. That's a problem. So sometimes the, the result is like, oh, I'm stupid. No, i got to make remind myself and tell myself that I'm, I'm terrible at this thing. I'm, and that's not the answer either. So, uh, but yeah, I, I love that when Paul's talking about that, yes, I was a blasphemer and persecutor of the church. Like it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. So I'm the foremost sinner to be taking Christian families, tearing them apart, throwing people in prison, okay. blaspheming God, promoting a form of Judaism that is not saving, barring the doors. As Jesus said, the, the, the Pharisees barred the doors. They won't, they won't go in themselves and they wouldn't allow anybody else to go in into the kingdom of heaven. And all that points right back to the cross. As if we judge ourselves correctly with a sober mind, we recognize that, yeah, we are sinners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we stay there, then we've dipped too far mm-hmm. to one side. We have to remember, oh, I am forgiven mm-hmm. because of Jesus' work on the cross. Yeah. And then continue to walk in faith in that. So, like, yes, we are sinners, and that has to be recognized. But then we have to live as though we're forgiven. Yeah, live in verse 13. The second part, I received mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save people like me. Sinners. Even the worst sinner. He displays his perfect patience as an example so with that let's see here any final comments on that kind of like on that bonus pride definition I manifest that a lot like you know almost the feeling that God's embarrassed by you and your failures and one thing that really kind of helped me was like if God didn't want you he would not have chosen you it's the it's the uh, it's the inverse of the warning to the Galatians. It's like, why would he start this and not finish it? Not that you're going to finish it in the flesh, but why would he start this progress, this palpable, tangible progress in your life, and not see you to the end? Like this, it's it's where I rest. If God didn't want me; He wouldn't have called me. And and one step further is it's not because somebody doesn't do that that God wanted them. God knows all about you. He knows all about me. Everything. And there is nothing in me that I can point to that says, that's why he saved me. No, it is because he decided. He set his love on us before the foundation of the world, knowing everything about me. So that is humbling. It's not about my my ability to not do this or my, I, I have this talent that he really needed me to use for his life. No, it's because he decided to love me. And that is a very humbling thing. It allows us, it frees us to be able to minister to other people. So with that, we will wrap up, come back next week, finish this, and go into some other, <laughs> other sins as well. Thanks, everybody.